Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be here. I've been, I feel like I was off last week. I was here the week before, off the week before that, so I really haven't been here much. So uh, good morning. If we have a case we haven't met, my name is Josh Bonner. I'm the lead pastor here. Whether you're joining us in person or you're joining us online this morning, we're just thrilled to have you be a part of our, our service today. And I want to say thank you to Melanie and the worship team for leading us so well. And uh, I really appreciated that reflection opportunity, Melanie, and reading and thinking through that psalm this morning. So thank you for that. I hope that was meaningful, or I trust that that was meaningful for many of us this morning. Over the course of the past few years, I found myself thinking about just how easy it is for kids to make friends. I mean, seemingly, all it takes is for kids to be in the same physical space as one another, and suddenly they have friends. You're on the playground, and I'm on the playground. We are now best friends for the next 20 minutes, right? And in case you're ever tempted to ask your child or the child in question, hey, what's the name of your new, newfound friend? Don't bother asking that question. They don't know. Most of them, they don't know because it doesn't matter. All that matters is they have found a playmate and somebody who they can have fun with and run around with for a short period of time. That's all they want for, for at that point. Now, as we, as we get older, friendship becomes more complicated and names become a little bit more important, don't they? But they, this idea of friendship is no less important to us because we all need people in our lives. Because, and friendships just make life better, don't they? When we have a good friend or we have a group of good friends, life just feels better, it feels lighter, it feels more enjoyable. We go through life, we are designed to go through life with having good people around us. Now, I want to pause on that thought for a moment, and for the next three minutes, we're going, to, we're going to do something where I'm going to ask you to turn to the people next to you. Maybe you know them, maybe you don't. If you don't know the people next to you, introduce yourself. Some of you are like, I'm related to them. Can I introduce myself to somebody else? Yes, you can. Um, that's okay, too. Uh, and just uh, strike up a conversation around, you know, a, a time or a, a friendship that has had a positive impact on who you are. Okay, um, three minutes, you can be as serious as you want, you can be silly, it could be a really big story, it can be a short story, it's only three minutes, if you hate this, you can get up and go get a cup of coffee, go to the bathroom, come back, I promise you three minutes, go, what is one way that a friendship has had a positive impact on you, go for it. All right. All right, that has been three minutes. I know you have to boost the volume, Joel, because they're all chatty. It's been three minutes, everybody. Welcome back. <laughs> if you're not done your conversation, this is a perfect reminder that in the foyer after the service, there's some more coffee. You can continue your conversation then, and it's a wonderful. It's so wonderful to hear everybody kind of getting to know each other, maybe for the first time. Are we okay? Yeah, we're good. Okay. Well, it's my hope that we are all able to identify how a friend has made a positive impact on our lives. I mean, these are the people that we spend time with, where uh, we may hang out within our leisure time. They make us laugh. They make us think. They cause us to think differently or see things from a different perspective than we might otherwise on our own. They challenge us. Um, these are the people we work with, the people we go to school with, the people that live in our neighborhoods, we hang out in the back patio with. Uh, in general, these are the friends that, that make life better. They can be new friends. They can be old friends. But regardless, we need them. We need them in our lives. But if you're like me, you might find that you don't often slow down to think much about these relationships and what makes them so impactful. But maybe we should. 
Because if we did, I think we would have a deeper appreciation for the potential that lies in these relationships. And so as we continue in our teaching series on the wisdom that we find in Proverbs, this morning we're going to look at what the book of Proverbs has to say about friendship. And in particular, uh, I think that what we're going to look at this morning can help us look at, at the friendships that we have or maybe our experience in friendship and, and think of, and appreciate our experience maybe in a deeper way or, or encourage us to engage in friendships, the friendships we have in a better way even. And so our big idea this morning is that our friendships have the potential to make us better than we would otherwise be on our own. Now, as we think about this topic, I want to put two questions in mind that we can kind of keep in the back of our heads as we talk about friendship this morning. The first is, who are my friends? You know, as we reflect on what Proverbs has to say about friendship, I would invite us to be thinking about who are the friends that come to mind as we reflect on what is, you know, who are our friends and what, what is the role that they have? Who, whose faces come to mind? And the second is, am I being a good friend to others? You know, I'm going to confess that when I started thinking about this topic this week, I found myself thinking about my own need for friendship, about what do I need, what do I want, what helps me feel alive, but I would suggest that as we think about this, as much as it's important for us to be thinking about ourselves, that we also need to turn it around and be thinking about the role that we have to play in somebody else's life, because we play a pretty crucial role in the lives of other people. And so with these things in mind, we're going to look at four lessons about friendship from the book of Proverbs. Now, in, my, in the early 2000s, I was in my early 20s, and social media was just getting going with platforms like MySpace and Facebook. Uh, one of those still exists. I don't know if the other one does anymore. But because of the age and stage of life that I was in and the different things that I was into, I was accumulating what uh, Facebook liked to call, here are your friends. And uh, these were people, some of them I knew very well, and other people were just people that I met this one time at that one thing, and they sent a friend request, and I accepted it. And I thought that was great. You know, I had all these Facebook friends, and then one day I woke up and I said, can I actually be friends with a thousand people? And the answer is no. No, no, you can't. In fact, it's been theorized that the average person can only maintain about 150 relationships. This includes a smaller group of close friends. This includes friends in general. It includes those uh, people that we would consider meaningful contacts that we want to stay in, in touch with. But once we get to about 150, we move over into what we call acquaintances. These are people that we kind of know. We recognize their face. We might know their name, but we don't, aren't able to stay in contact with. And all of this is to say is, you know, to say is that as much as we might want to be friends with everyone, we can't. And so this kind of brings us to our first lesson this morning, that a few good friends are better than a crowd of acquaintances. Proverbs chapter 18 says, One who has, an unre who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You know, what's interesting about this proverb is that there seems to be multiple unreliable friends and a lesser amount of good friends. And that right there is worth reflecting on because I think the temptation that we have when it comes to relationships is to find ourselves thinking that, that quantity is what's important, that we need to pursue a big group of people that know us and we know them, and, and, and that that will somehow, by having a quantity of people around us, that that will somehow give us what it is that we need. But the reality is, is that if we pursue quantity, we might find ourselves spread too thin 
And we might find, out, find ourselves alone in those moments when we need somebody the most. You know, this, these proverbs that Dave, I'm going to keep highlighting Dave here, in the first week has said it so well. We need to remember that pri- uh, proverbs are, are principles, not promises. And this right here highlights an important principle that we are reminded that in general, we are more likely to have fewer good friends than we do acquaintances. And this proverb reminds us that we shouldn't get those two categories confused. You know, most of us will have several casual friends, people that we socialize with at social gatherings. And these are people that we act friendly towards and they act friendly towards us. And to be honest, we really like them. They're good people. We enjoy having them a part of our lives and they are, they, 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 They serve an important purpose in who we are and just the enjoyment that we get out of life. But the question is, what happens when real life hits? Are these still the people who are with us in those hard moments? And the unreliability that can happen is what this proverb refers to as ruin. You know, when life seemingly crumbles because we don't have the supports that we need. By contrast, this proverb points to a true friend who plays a critical role in our lives. And this proverb describes this type of friendship as someone who sticks closer than a a brother. Their commitment to us is like the commitment a family member would have have towards us. Somebody who is with us, who's committed to be with us in all circumstances. And you know what? This is what we need. We all need genuine friendships, deep friendships, people who will stick by us and will celebrate the good times and be genuinely happy for us, not kind of begrudgingly being like, yeah, that's great, but I'm jealous for you. No, it's the people who are genuinely happy for us and the good things that happen for us. But we also, uh, almost uh, more importantly, need people who will be with us and are there when we are facing some of the truly hard things that come with life. And this brings us to the next lesson this morning. That it's okay to be selective when it comes to who our our closest friends are. I mean, there's a lot of potential that exists in our friendships. And what I think we all want is we want uh, friends who will help us become uh, our our healthy, whole selves. We want people in our lives who can help us become the best person that we could possibly be. You know, and people in our lives who can be there to enjoy the good stuff, but also be there to help us through the hard stuff. And in order for us to find those people, being choosy is something that we need to practice. It's okay to be choosy about who we let into the closest parts of who we are, the most intimate part, relationships that we have. It's okay to be choosy. Proverbs chapter 12 says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Now, what's kind of interesting about the, about the beginning part of this verse, the righteous choose their friends carefully, is that there's a lot of kind of confusion about what that means in the original language. It's written in Hebrew, and the NIV has said the righteous choose their friends carefully, and, and that is one way that you can take it. But if you were to read other translations, you would see that they have translated it differently into English because they're trying to wrap their head around what is it that is meant here. But what is constant in all of these translations is that there is a contrast between righteousness and wickedness, between good ways and bad ways, and that we can get good advice from some folks and we can get poor advice from others, and that there is a sense that we need to be careful about where we are leaning, like who is influencing us. Proverbs chapter 13 says, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. You know, we know that we can't be friends with everyone. 
So we have to be choosy about who we allow to speak into our lives, recognizing that their presence and their influence has the ability to shape who we are and what our lives are about, both positively and negatively. Now, if we were to go back to that theory that we could only maintain about 150 relationships, it's important for us to note that these relationships, these 150 relationships, are never static. I mean, as we know, over time, our friend groups shift, don't they? The friends that we had in high school may not be the friends that we have now. You know, life circumstances, we might move from one location to another. We might have kids. We might retire. Life circumstances and, the, and, and, and change the, the friendships and the relationships that we have. We might never have, like, a big blow-up. It might not have been an intentional decision to be like, I'm not going to be friends with that person anymore. Or we might not have had a big argument that, that dissolved a relationship or severed a relationship. Life just happens sometimes, and our relationships change. Our relationships are not static. And so what that means is that means that this process of discerning, this process of being choosy about who we let into our lives is a lifelong process. It doesn't just happen once. In fact, it's something that is an ongoing thing. A few weeks ago, I asked a friend of mine to be one of the guarantors for my passport renewal application. And in the process, we realized that we've known each other for 24 years. And this is odd to us because uh, we met when we were 18, and in our minds, we are still like 20 years old. And so how is it possible our mortgages and our bodies would definitely indicate that we are not 20 years old anymore? Uh, how is it possible that we know somebody for 24 years? How is it possible we've known each other for so long? You know, that time has just flown by. But as I think about my, my friendship with Ken, that's his name, there are a few things that come to mind, but most notably for me is his response when he encounters somebody who's going through a difficult time. See, he tends to ask two questions. First is, what do you need? And the second is, how can I help? What do you need and how can I help? And simple questions like this are, are part of how faithfulness can be practiced in a friendship. Because true friends are known by their faithfulness. Proverbs 17 says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. You know, it should go without saying that, that love is to be a characteristic of our friendships. You know, we know that friendship is about more than being in the same place at the same time, unlike maybe kids on a playground. As we, we mature in our idea, understanding of relationships, we know it's about more than being in the same place at the same time or maybe just having a couple things in common. Rather, friendship, the friendships that we are talking about this morning uh, are the ones that we need for us to be our best selves are defined by love and are expressed in a commitment to one another even in those hard seasons of life. And so to expand on this idea, the author of Proverbs draws a parallel that we've already talked about, this parallel between friendship and a family relationship, making the point, the point that this commitment to another person is not limited to those fun moments, but includes some of those hard moments that we might call adversity. These are those seasons of life when life just seems to be too much, when all the burdens of life seem to be pressing down almost at once and we are just feeling like we're going to get crushed. We're, this is it. I, I need somebody. And the friendship that, that the author of Proverbs is talking about is somebody coming in alongside and being there to alleviate that crushing burden so that we might have a little bit of space to be able to figure out how do we navigate this or a little bit of space to breathe and hopefully one day be able to overcome the adversity that we're facing. Now this leads me back 
to those questions that I asked us to keep in mind earlier in this message. Who are our friends and, and am I being a good friend to others? You know, who are my friends? You know, do you have somebody in your life who's shown this level of faithful commitment to you? Maybe they're doing it for you right now. Who are they? Can you just think for a moment, can pay, would somebody's face come to mind? What I think is interesting is when we're going through hard situations, we frequently come to realize who our true friends are, and, and what's interesting is that they might not be who we would have said going into that situation. New friends show up, and new people come alongside us and pick up our burdens for us and help us through things. Who are our friends? Who are your friends? Who are my friends? And the second is, am I being a good friend to others? You know, what are some ways that we can help a friend through the pressures of life? What are some things that we can do? Maybe it's, it's a phone call just to listen to, to someone, uh, someone, you know, unload and vent about the, the stresses and the chaos of being a parent. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's sitting down and helping uh, somebody figure out a very complicated situation and help them try to untangle it. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's being intentional but connecting for a meal to share life. But what are we doing to express this faithful commitment to our friends? What are we doing to lean into these relationships and to grow this faithful commitment and to be present for people when they need it? I remember sitting in a meeting a few years ago and we were discussing a difficult situation with an individual in our organization, an organization that I worked in a number of years ago. And as we talked about this issue, um, one thing became clear. Nobody sitting around the table wanted to go actually talk to the person in question. In fact, we were doing our best to, all of us were doing our best to avoid a potentially awkward uh, and, and hard conversation. We were working really hard to make sure that nobody would have to actually go talk to that person in question. You know, as I think about the relationships in my life, as maybe you think about the relationships that you have, maybe your friendships, your friendships maybe even your relationships with your family, I think many of us have that kind of approach in, our relation, in terms of our relationships with others. We do our best to avoid potentially hard and awkward conversations because, well, we don't want to strain the relationship. And so in the process, we maybe never talk about the real issues or we go about ignoring some unhealthy things, hoping that they'll just go away. But objectively, we know that this isn't healthy, right? Instead, we need friends who will tell us the hard truth. And we need this because this is what gives us the best opportunity to learn, to grow, and to become a better person in all areas of our lives. And when people never tell us the truth about our attitudes and our actions, when they, when they never are up front with us, they don't really care about us. And when we don't do this for, for the people that we call our friends, we aren't showing that level of care either. Proverbs 27, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. You know, no one likes to be wounded, whether it be physically or emotionally, but this proverb reminds us when there, that there are times when wounds are better than displays of affection. Well, and kisses, and we're going to get to what they mean by kisses in a moment here, might be expected from a friend and wounds from an enemy, there are occasions when being a true friend means running the risk of calling to a person's attention uh, a flaw or a, a mistake or an error that might feel like a wound is being caused. 
But in doing so, what is actually happening is the display of genuine love and concern. In contrast, an enemy might pass along compliments, even in public. And this reference to kisses is a reference to a cultural custom of enthusiastically greeting somebody with an embrace and a kiss on two cheeks. And we know that it's possible to exchange pleasantries, but not really actually care about another person, isn't it? Instead, sometimes pleasantries can be a guise. They can be a cover-up for how we truly feel about somebody else that we, we don't think very highly of them, but we still walk by and be like, hey, how are you doing? Hope you're having a good day. And in our minds, we're not thinking those thoughts, are we? This proverb suggests that what is much more reliable to our well-being are wounds that our friends might bring to, into our lives because they have our best interest at heart. Another proverb puts it this way, listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end, you will be counted among the wise. In other words, be open to the input of others, even if you don't like what they say initially. Be open particularly to those who care about us. And this is, if we do this, that we are on track to, to making sure we're going in the right direction in life. I mean, the reality is we can't do life on our own. And we need to be humble enough to listen and to consider what other people who are committed to us have to say because maybe their perspective can help us and maybe even save us from some troubles later. And to flip it around, one of the ways that we can be a good friend to other people is to be willing to have those hard conversations every now and then when we see something or we think we see something in the life of one of our friends and we're thinking, I'm not sure that that's right, to actually bring it to their attention as an act of love even though they might not thank us for it at the moment. Now, in saying this, I think that there needs to be a bit of a caveat here that we need to be careful, that we really do need to practice being slow to speak when we realize that our role in somebody else's life might be to speak truth when truth isn't going to be welcomed. I mean, it would be, it's really easy to be over-eager and be like, I see something, and to like jump right in and start pointing fingers. And in doing so, we could come across as being nosy or a busybody in a really unwelcome way. But if we are slow, if we are measured, if we are gentle if we make it abundantly clear that we are, we are operating and we are speaking out of, our best, out of our relationship that has a track record of being loving and caring, that we are invested in somebody over the long haul, then you know what? If somebody does that to us, we're more likely to receive that even if we don't enjoy it. When we know that somebody's cheering for us and they've got our backs, we're more willing to listen, aren't we? That is the role that we can play in somebody else's life, but it doesn't start with just pointing a finger. It starts by being present. Now, we could say a whole lot more things about friendship. And the book of Proverbs does say a whole lot more things about friendship. And no doubt you might have some thoughts going through your minds that you're like, well, what about this and what about that? And we didn't talk about this. And Great. You know what? The interesting thing about a 25-minute sermon is you can't say everything. And so I'm not even pretending to do so. Instead, I'm going to encourage you to keep thinking and keep reflecting about your experience of friendship and what might it mean to pursue friends that actually are good for our well-being, your well-being, and what might it be for you to be somebody who is pursuing a relationship of positive impact and being that person for somebody else. And uh, and maybe that will generate some good conversations uh, this afternoon or later on this week. But as we wrap up, I think that it's important for us to recognize that friendship is a gift that God has given us for our benefit. In fact, the opening passages, pages of Scripture, in the opening pages of Scripture, we get a glimpse into the thought process of God who sees an isolated human being and he says, eh, that's not good. 
It is not good that they are all alone. And the story goes on to describe God creating another person for them to go through life with. Now, when we read these opening pages of the book of Genesis, sometimes as Christians we get stuck on how literally are we supposed to take these pages of the Bible as if the point of what is written is to uncover the exact details of how things came to be. But instead, in light of this conversation we're having today, I'm going to suggest to you that the point really is about helping us understand relationships. What we see in those opening pages of the book of Genesis is the relationship between God and himself as the creator, the relationship between God and his creation, the relationship that God has towards humanity, about how humanity has been made in his image and to have the special, unique connection, and the relationships that humanity are to have with one another. See, God did not design us to be at our best when we are isolated and alone. He says, that's not good. And so he created us to be at our best when we are connected to other people, we are engaged in meaningful relationships with others, and friendship is a part of that. That's God's gift for us so that we can be all that we can be. The reality is, as much as I might like to think that I can, the reality is I can't do life on my own. I can function on my own for, for a while. I can even accomplish some really good things on my own. But the reality is that there's a limit to my potential and to what I can endure when I'm going through life alone. See, I need good friends. I need people around me to be who God has created me to be, and so do you. And so I think one of the things that these lessons from Proverbs can do is can prompt us to be thinking about, you know, how do we need God's help as we engage in the relationships that are around us? You know, relationships are not just between two people. There's a spiritual dynamic to everything that we do. And God created us to be in a relationship with one another as spiritual beings. And so as we reflect on our relationships, it would be important, it would be, you know, wise of us to be saying, God, can you help me in my friendships? Can you help direct me to people who can be a part of my life that will be able to, uh, to help me navigate hard things and can help me learn and grow people who will be willing to speak truth into my life? God, can you point me in the right direction here? Will you bring people in that I need? And at the same time to be saying, God, can you, put me in the, can you point me in the direction of somebody who could benefit from who you've created me to be? You know, God, can you help me be the friend that my friends need me to be right now? So-and-so is going through a really hard time. God, would you grow compassion in me? So-and-so is trying to navigate a really hard situation. Will you give me a little bit of wisdom or at least the, the ability to say, I don't know, here's somebody who does? You know, as we consider our friendships, we ought to be considering how God is a part of our friendships and be willing to go to God and say, God, I need your help. Will you come use me, fill me, so that I can be who I need to be and so that you know, in the life of somebody else. And Lord, thank you for the good gifts of friendship that you've given me. Please join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for today. Lord, for the opportunity to gather here to worship you, to be reminded of your goodness, your love, Lord, that these are traits that, that should shape how we see you and how we, uh, the relationship that we, ha- we have with you. Lord Jesus, would you keep that in our minds this morning? Would you keep that forefront in our minds as we go into the week ahead with all of the unknowns, Lord, that you are present with us, that you love us, and that you care for us in all of that? 
Lord, this morning as we have reflected on friendship, we want to say thank you for the good people that you have put into our lives. Lord, for those people who just make life better, uh, who, those who have who've brought laughter into our lives, people who have brought encouragement, people who have helped us sort out problems, people who have challenged us. Lord, we thank you for all the good things that friendship brings. But Lord, we also acknowledge that for some of us, we are lacking the good friends that we need to thrive. That in this season of life, Lord, that we are feeling a lack of support. We are feeling a lack of guidance. And so, Lord, this morning, we are asking that you would provide what we need in this season. Lord, that you would surround us with good people. And, Lord, that you would make us receptive to their presence. And, Lord, as we consider our our role in the friendships that you've given us, Lord, would you give us the ability to be abundantly loving and committed and faithful, Lord, Lord, help us to reflect the character traits of who you are. May they become a part of our relationships, God. And Lord, would you equip us and give us the things that we need to walk alongside one another well. Lord, we're grateful for for you. We're grateful for the good things that you give us. And Lord, this morning we just want to acknowledge our dependency on you in all things, including our relationships and our friendships. In your name we pray, amen.